Hey, Westside family, Jake Gilbert here, one of the leaders in charge of our media department. Thanks for joining us for today's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. We love you guys and enjoy. I'm going to start talking about the commands of God today, and today we're going to be looking at why. Uh, three, with a little extra at the end, three reasons why God uh, gives gives commands. I'm going to start off by reading. This is a bit of a different Bible. It's a Messianic Jewish Bible, so uh, it, it'll say something a little bit different. But uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 says this, and this is at the end of Ecclesiastes. A final word, when all has been heard, fear God and keep his mitzvah, which is commands, for this applies to all mankind. Another version says, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. There's a New Testament scripture that uh, that is that uh, kind of works in correlation with it. It's in Hebrews, and it's the scripture that says, for us to be living sacrifices that is holy and acceptable unto God. And at the end of that, it says, for this is our reasonable service. In other words, whether you look look at it as a duty or whether you look at it as a reasonable service, uh, service, knowing and obeying God's commands is a major part of our faith. It's a part, it, it, it should become a part of who we are. His ways should become our ways. His thoughts should become our thoughts. Because we're made in his image and his likeness, his actions should be our actions. But yet, throughout Scripture, you see where God gives us what we call commands, do's and don'ts. Now, I don't know about you, I've never been the greatest person when it comes to commands in my life. Uh, Being a bit independent, being a little bit rebellious, uh, having my own opinion, having my own desires, and my own drive toward Uh, pleasures, more so in my earlier years. Uh, I was a person that always tested the commandments. Do we have any commandment testers in the house? (laughs) Most of you are lying. Uh, You better ask God to forgive you, (laughs) because one of the commands is thou shalt not lie. Uh, (laughs) So anyway, I've learned firsthand in my life as a youngster sad to say, and as an adult, what it means to obey commands and what it means to disobey commands. Nobody's perfect. And I don't think nobody in here will ever get to the place to where we obey all the commands all the time. I will say this, that cannot be, that shouldn't be a cop-out. We should strive. We should make it our reasonable service, our duty, to know and to obey God 
God's commands. It's very important. We shouldn't use the grace of God as a ticket or as an excuse not to obey God's commands. But we should realize that it's a safety net, not a license, but it's a safety net for when we find ourselves stumbling and not able to exercise a command. Does that make sense? I prefer to look at God's grace as a safety net for when I fall as opposed to a license that allows me to do anything I want to but yet still go to heaven. His grace might enable you to get to heaven, but if we always do what we want to do, then what we find ourselves positioned for is a life that's not good. It's a life that's full of hardship, a life full of harm, a life full of problems, a life that is really not worthy of his presence and his goodness, but because of his mercy and grace that is extended to us, uh, we could still call ourselves children, but yet children outside the blessing. So anyway, I'm getting a bit. I'm getting on a rabbit trail, not wanting to keep you uh, real long. So I'm going to give you three whys on on why God gives us uh, uh, commands. If if you're anything like me, my you know I've always asked why. Why can't I do this? Why is He telling me to do this? Why? 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 My parents. Well, I tell you what. My my dad. This is how my dad dealt with why. Because I told you to. If you say anything else, you're going to find out why. In a different, does that make sense? Now, modern day parenting opposes that absolutely, uh, but I'm okay today most of the time, and uh, and it, it worked great for me. Uh, nonetheless, so let's look at three reasons why. Number one is it sets us up for good and blessing. Number one. Why did God give us commands? For the good and blessings of his children. It's really important to realize this. Took me a little while to understand this as I matured as a human being and as a child of God. Because we can find ourselves being like, why all the do's or don'ts are, are God sometimes has an unfair reputation of being a God with a judging hammer and, 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 and being like, you can't do this and you can't do that and no to this and no to that. When all reality, when you dive into what he is saying we can or we can't do, and you really begin to dissect it and look at it with an open mind and a healthy mind, you cannot help but to realize the reason he says don't is, is for our own well-being, is for our own good. It's so that we can be in a, in, in a position or so that we can be in a place to really experience the good that God wants us to to receive from what he created. Now I'll get into that a, a little bit more here in a second, but it's important to realize that God established a specific order in life. 
So when God created life, the universe, and everything that it entails, he established a distinct order to it. And you and I, we have no control over this order. We can't change it. We cannot manipulate it. We can't work to, for it to be different. God established a specific order, and it's just the way it is. Now, sometimes uh, people don't like this. They don't like the specific order that God established on life. But there's just no getting around it. It's either you follow the order or you have to deal with the outcome of disobeying that order. It's kind of like people wanting to fly. There's people that wants to fly. I'm not talking about in a plane or putting on a wingsuit and jumping off a 2,000-foot cliff. Have you seen Seen people who, I used to would want to do that when I was in my 20s, but not today. I'm like, I'm too old for that stuff. But like, no, no, it just doesn't matter. You can want to fly. You can dream to fly. You can exercise to fly. You can read all the books in the world about flying. And if you go jump off uh, El Capitan in Yosemite, guess what? You're going to fly, but you're going to fly to the ground real fast. It just is not going to happen. Why? Because there is a order that God established in the beginning of time that causes us not to be able to fly. And there is no changing it. And so when it comes to God's order and when it comes to God's commands, it just doesn't matter what we like. It doesn't matter what we want. It doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter how much you come to church. It doesn't matter how much money you give. It doesn't and it will not change anything because God established the order. Now, within this order, there are rights and there are wrongs. And with the rights and with the wrongs, there are different outcomes So when we choose right choices according to God's order, we experience good outcomes. When we choose wrong choices according to God's order, we experience bad outcomes. And there's just no changing it. So God established his order, when followed the right way, to allow us the good. So it says in Deuteronomy 5.33, Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live. Can you say live? And prosper. Can you say prosper? And prolong your days. Can you say prolong your days? In the land that you will possess. Now what's interesting about Deuteronomy is Deuteronomy is all about the order of God. What he established. Rights and wrongs for his children. 
What's very interesting throughout Deuteronomy, this, this number I'm about to give you might change because of the, the, the uh, version of Bible that I was looking at. So there is a common phrase throughout Deuteronomy. And the phrase is, so it may go well with you. So it may go well with you. Can you say that? So it may go well with you. Look at somebody and say, so it may go well with you. So in Deuteronomy alone, 10 times Moses writes this. And Deuteronomy is all about the order of God, the established order of God for his children at that time on the earth. And so ten times in Deuteronomy, God was saying to his children through Moses, if you obey, if you follow, if you embrace my order, it will go well with you. So the number one, not the number one, excuse me, the, the first reason we're talking, the, the first reason of why God gave commands for us is so that it may go well with you and I. Because when you dive in... When you dive into scripture, before, the, uh, before God established uh, earthly order, like commands and do's and don'ts through Moses, there really was no written code. There was rights and wrongs because before the flood, God looked down upon the earth and he said, this is all evil. Nothing but evil comes out of the heart of man. And he sent the flood. But there wasn't a true written code, a true order of right and wrongs. And, and so what we have without a written order, we have chaos. We have anything goes. We have the heart of humanity, which contains a sinful nature, just doing whatever brings pleasure unto themselves. And the heart of humanity, because within it is a sinful nature, has a tendency to be very pleasure-seeking, very selfish, very greedy, very jealous, has a tendency to be very perverse, has a tendency to be very violent. And we see this prior to the flood, when God looked down upon the earth and was like, it is detestable it is evil and this has come out of the heart of man so God established a set order on earth so instead of the earth becoming evil and broken and full of chaos and full of violence and the list goes on he created a order that if followed the opposite, would, the opposite would happen. And the opposite of God's, uh, uh, and, and that is us experience the goodness of God and it being well for us in our lives. 
If you, if, if you don't go home with anything but this, then please remember this. God established commands so that it may go well with you and your children. That's why he gave it. Why do we give our children commands? For the most part, there are some exception to the rules. But for the most part, a good parent gives commands to their children so their children can experience the good of the family, the good of life, a good experience, right? What, where, do, where does that logic come from? That logic comes from God. We give our children orders so that it may be well with them. Because God has given us orders that it may be well with us. And see, I, I love that. I, 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 I respect that. And I appreciate the fact that God has given me an order, order to live by. And if I follow this order... Because his word does not come back void, I know it's going to be well with me and my family. Now, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean we don't go through trials and tribulations. We do. We live in a cursed world. And we, we experience death. We experience sickness. Bad things do happen to good people, and that's not the topic today. But in spite of the bad, if you look at the big picture, the goodness of God outweighs the curse of the world if we would just follow his order. Amen? So number two is to make sure we have a slide up here. Oh, you did it. There we go. So we don't hurt or harm one another. God has given us commands, not just so that it may go well with us, but God has given us commands so that we don't hurt or harm one another. Let me start off with Romans uh, chapter 13, verse 9. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So the word is teaching us that the commands, not just the Ten Commandments, because it lists half the ten, part of the Ten Commandments, and it goes on uh, to say uh, whatever other command there may be, it is telling us that these commands is given to us so that we can love one another. What's very interesting, when, when, when you begin to break down the commands of God's, God, that they can be split, for the most part, into two categories. A category to where certain choices is an offense against God. 
and certain choices is a offense against other people. And if you go to one of Jesus's uh, sayings or teachings, Jesus taught that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And the second one is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes on to say that all the law and all the prophets has been built or written upon these two commandments. So that's why I say there's really two categories of commandments. A command that offends God, if not obeyed, or a commandment that hurts people, if not obeyed. And these are the two greatest commandments, to love God and to love people. So God doesn't want us living in a way where our choices offends him. Look at someone and say, that's a big no-no. And God doesn't want us making choices to where our actions harms and offends one another. And according to the New Testament, which is the testament of grace and love, we can think that uh, 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 offending our brother has to do with like the hard stuff. We don't want to hurt him. We don't want to slap him. We don't want to, you know, like speak down upon him, that kind of thing. But Paul said something very interesting. He said, if eating meat or drinking wine offends your brother, then don't eat meat and don't drink wine. See, that's a level of loving somebody that goes deeper than your typical Old Testament teachings on love. Now, don't take this, don't, don't misconstrue this. Paul wasn't saying don't eat meat, and Paul wasn't saying don't drink wine. That's between you and God if you want to be a vegetarian or if you want to drink wine. That's between you and God. But what Paul was saying is if one of these things is offending your brother or your sister, then you don't need to do it. Why? Because the heart of God, and Paul taught from the heart of God, the heart of God is to not do things that offends, hurts, or harms one another. Not just to the point of punching, slapping, cussing out, but even to the point if I'm sitting at a table and I'm drinking a glass of wine and you are really bothered by that, sitting across the table from me, then I should love you enough to push my glass of wine away. Not that I do that. I'm just giving you an example. Because I care for you so much that I'm willing to set aside my freedoms. I'm willing to set aside what maybe I like or what I enjoy for the sake of your feelings. Think about it. God wants us to love one another based off how we affect each other's feelings. That's New Testament love. Because in our reality, if I was to drink the wine or if I was to eat the steak and you be a vegan, 
And now in reality, that's not hurting you. Like, that, that, you know, you're going to go home and live your life. I'm going to go home and live my life. I'm not hurting you. Like, you, you, you're, I'm not hurting you, right? But what I am doing is I'm disrupting your feelings. I could possibly cre- be creating a, divi- a division in you and I's relationship. I could possibly be establishing a stumbling block for you. And so the Bible gives us commands in a way that we find ourselves unified by loving one another. Now, if you find yourself in that predicament, just eat your veggies, and when you go home, just slap a big 16-ounce T-bone on the grill, and you're good to go. It's not the end of the world. Another area of God's command still within number two is God's commands are really all about respect. Let's just look at the few that I, that I read within Romans 13, 9. Do not commit adultery. You are respecting your spouse. You are respecting your family. You're ex- respecting the life of the person that, you're, that you would be with. You are respecting their family because what does adultery do? Adultery breaks down relationships. It breaks down family and it breaks down generations. Not in just one party, but both parties. And so you are respecting the people, the families, and the generations to come by not committing adultery. And to really go deeper, you're respecting God. Thou shalt not murder. By not murdering, you are respecting life. Thou shalt not steal. By not stealing, you are respecting your neighbor and their belongings. Thou shalt not covet. Again, you are respecting the owner of whatever item you're coveting after, but you're also respecting God with what he's blessed you with as opposed to not having and we can go on the list, the li- we, we, we can go on through the list and see that God's commands really is about respect. Respecting one another, respecting our neighbors, even respecting the earth, and most importantly, respecting God. So the third one, has to do with Trust and love between him and us. We find this uh, in, with Adam and Eve, most uh, specifically Eve. So one command was given to Adam and Eve in the garden. And that command was do not eat. Actually, you can break it down into two commands. Do not eat. And do not touch the tree that is in the middle of the garden. 
And if you really want to get technical, you can give yourself three commands. Don't even go near it. I, I, I find it interesting that people will receive not consuming something or touching something, but they find themselves getting close to the fire and enjoying the closeness of that fire. Kind of like Lot with Sodom and Gomorrah. He wasn't partaking of the sin in Sodom and Gomorrah, as far as we know from Scripture, but yet he sure loved playing close to the fire of Sodom and Gomorrah. So take this just as a freebie this morning. Don't just look and understand what God is saying don't do, but apply some wisdom to your life and don't even get close to what God is saying don't do. Amen? Anyway, that's a freebie. So this command in all reality was to establish trust and honor toward God, to, toward God in the garden. So when Eve was tempted, she was really tempted in how she trusted and honored God. Let me read you the story in context. You got about six verses in uh, Genesis 3, 1 through 6. Some of this might read a little bit different because of my Bible. But the serpent was shrewder than any animal of the field that Adonai Elohim made. So it said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from all the trees of the garden? The woman said to the serpent of the fruit of the trees, we may eat. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat of it, and you must not touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you must, or you most assuredly won't die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a thing of lust for the eyes and that the tree was desirable for imparting wisdom. So she took of its fruit and she ate it. She also gave to her husband who was with her and he ate. Now this is a breakdown of temptation all the way. We could spend quite a bit of time going into temptation, a lesson on temptation but what I'm really wanting you to see here is Satan came in and what he was trying to do is to get Eve not to trust and honor God. See, God just wanted Adam and Eve just to trust him with his wisdom and his knowledge. And he did not want them to have all the knowledge, specifically the knowledge of right and wrong that came from partaking of this tree. But in order for that to happen with Adam and Eve, they had to be okay with just trusting God. See, commandments, not only do they set us up for it to be well for us and our lives, 
not only does it keep people safe in our lives, as far as our, you know, our interaction relationships, but it also establishes that we honor and we trust God. Because when we adhere to his wisdom as opposed to our all-knowing self, in essence, we are trusting him with his wisdom and we are honoring him and his wisdom and we are respecting him and his wisdom as opposed to exercising and thinking that our wisdom is what comes first. So Eve was tempted, and it says that, 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 that what was pre- presented to her gave her the lust of the eyes, and it was desirable to partake of. So she had a choice to either trust God in his wisdom or to partake in what she thought looked and seemed to be good. And when God gives us commands, it's really the same scenario. Are we going to trust God and his way, or are we going to partake in what looks, feels, and experiences good and for our own self? Does that make sense? And it really When the rubber meets the road comes down to that. So a command from God is really us trusting God or us trusting ourselves. And then to go along with that, it's also about love. Because John 14, 15 says, If you love me, keep my commands. Loving God and obeying God goes hand in hand. You can't really truly love God and consistently disobey God. Because to love God means to love his essence. If all we love about God is his blessings and the fact we get a ticket to heaven, then we're not really loving God. We're just loving what he does for us. And you really have to ask yourself the question, do I love God? Or do I love what he has done or what he is doing for me? See, I feel the same way about worship music. Am I really into this song or am I really into the tone that's affecting my emotions? Because it's very easy to praise God when the tone causes our emotions to respond in a certain way. But yet the words that we are singing from that song mean nothing to us. And that's not true worship. It can be, 
but oftentimes it's not. And the reason I say oftentimes it's not is because is if someone was to get up here and to sing that same song a cappella without the tone of music, you would not get the same response in the audience. Because in the audience, oftentimes praise is based off of a tone that affects the emotions. That's why you can go to a secular concert and the beat is hopping and you can do the same things that you would do in church if you had the same beat. It's because so oftentimes we are emotionally driven and we are not spiritually driven for what really matters. So you're not really worshiping God if you're praising to a tone. You're only worshiping God if you strip the tone away and you mean exactly what the lyrics of the song says. God, you're all I want. You're everything to me. I will die for you. Blah, 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 blah. Am I making sense this morning? And it's the same way with the commands. You cannot love God and just love what he does for you. It's not the true definition of love. Because to truly love God is to mean that you love his essence. You love who he is. You love what he stands for. You love his goodness, but you love his righteousness. You love his virtues and you love his justice. You love every aspect of who he is. That's why it says to love him with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. In other words, you love him from the spirit, you love him from the soul, and you love him with your body. But you cannot fully love him that way if you don't obey him that way. You have to obey him with your soul, obey him with your spirit, and obey him with your body. And when you obey him in the three categories of our being, then you can truly say, I love him with my soul, I love him with my spirit, and I love him with my body. And that is loving God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. That is spirit, soul, body. So the commands of God establish whether or not we really love God and whether or not we really trust God. So you see, commands is not just a bunch of don'ts from the Lord. Commands. Is for our own good, number one. Because when we obey him, it becomes well with us. Commands is about other people that we affect. When we obey the commands, we do other people good. And commands is about him and us because when we obey the commands, we are really embracing who he is because he is his commands. So that's why God gave the commands to establish goodness for us, to establish love for humanity, and to establish love for him. And then the little fourth one as an extra. When we obey God's commands, we do creation good. Because creation has been destroyed, not by people doing good. Creation has been destroyed by people doing bad. And when we honor God, 
we honor creation. There's actually a verse in Proverbs that says a righteous man will treat his beast right. And did you know that there was even a command, I might get into this a little bit next week, that did you know that there was a command from God for Israel that when they went into war that they were not to go and destroy the earth, they was not to burn down the trees, they were not to destroy and decimate the earth and the land in the area in which they had war, but they were to go and fight the people. They might destroy the city, but they were not to destroy the land. That was a command from God. So just as a little extra, when we obey the commands, we also do the earth good. We feel like we're in the last days, but, you know, honestly, we don't know when God is coming back because God says one day to us, or what, one day for us is a thousand for him. Or a thousand for us is, is a one for him. I got it backwards. Yeah, we feel like God's coming back soon. We know the signs of the times. But let's just be very honest. Jesus said right before he ascended, nobody knows. Only the Father knows. And you know what? God's grace is pretty massive. In this world, there's so many people in this world that is not going to heaven. And the reason I'm saying that is God may prolong this for another thousand years. And guess what? It's important that we respect the land in which we live on so that the land will be here for our kids and the generations to come if God does tarry a thousand years. Because you really don't know. And don't act like you do know, because you don't. God is sovereign, and he has an order. He knows when he's going to sound the trumpets. Nobody else does. And let me give you a little bit of extra. Don't follow anybody that says they know. Because they're absolutely opposing Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said before he ascended in Acts 1, nobody knows, including himself. And he said that to the disciples to say, hey, you you don't know when I'm going to return. Nobody knows except for the Father. So go out and make disciples. Go out and do good. Do what you're called to do. Go love Obey the commands. Am I making sense? Let me read you one verse, ending verse. And now, is, this is Deuteronomy 10, 12 through 13. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today. Please hear this part. For your own good. For your own good. If you want good, and obey God's good commands. Amen? Stand to your feet this morning. Let's just worship him. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.